This is episode 38. In this episode, you'll meet Vanessa Codorniu, a psychic medium, hypnotherapist, coach, and past life, ancestral, and entity release. Learn about her journey from a young girl, learning from her grandma, to now owning her own business, healing, and teaching. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate. Bienvenidos! It's a podcast where Latinx business owners share stories of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. I believe consumers want to support businesses they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. Also, join me on my business mindfulness series where I share business tips and activities that will help you grow and sustain your business. So please subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. And hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Relate and Elevate. And I have a very special guest here today who I really appreciate her taking the time out of her life, uh, everything that's going on with her life right now. So I really, really do appreciate it. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Giselle. So excited to be here today. My name is Vanessa Codorniu. Vanessa Codorniu. I am the Biz Bruja. And I am an intuitive, a hypnotherapist, and a soul business mentor, leaning heavily, actually completely on my roots and my ancestry. And I know we'll get into that later to support people and getting to the root of their blocks and their gifts so they can build their business from there. And that means anywhere from the actual technologies around the healing, hypnosis to heal ancestral patterns, to actual layout and plan, and even some marketing for when they launch their business or share a particular offer. I really, really, really love everything that you do. <laughs> and I can speak from personal experience that it wasn't until I until I dealt with my things, until I went through hypnotherapy, that I started to get on this path of creating a life for myself and creating my own business. Oh, so, so good. Yeah, so I good. can definitely attest, attest to that for sure. So good. I'm so glad you've had that experience. It's really powerful. Yeah, and I'm still I'm still going through it and I am very, very happy to continue to go through it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm like Me really, too. Yeah. <laughs> um so we're gonna just get to know you a little bit better and ask you a few icebreaker questions. So what is your favorite food? Oh my god, my mother's baked empanadas. And they have to be I think I like the chicken, although her spinach are really good, but the baked empanadas that she makes are like out of this world and they're like the smaller ones. So they disappear before like guests can get them. Cause she has four kids and all of us like sneak. Yeah. One of us entertains her and the other one's like sneaking. So yeah, we love it. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> so what is, it has chicken and what else does it have in it? So it has like chicken and it has sauce or something. Yeah. It's like, uh, olives, chopped up olives and chopped up um, a little bit of onion, a little bit of pepper. Uh, there's a little base of sofrito and then, you know, you add the chicken or if it's carne, if you want to use the um, chopped meat, they can use that. But I just love the, I love the fact that they're baked, you know, and then mm -hmm. she'll take like the yellow of the egg 
and like coat it on the outside to brown it. Oh, and so it it's like that. Yeah. It's, it's really and nice. glazy. Yeah. I love that. So now even if I'm hungry and I bite into, I mean, it's a personal taste, right? I bite into a fried one. I'm like, mm. I just like the taste of like the baked one. So and mm-hmm. hers especially. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it sounds so good. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite color? Oh, I have to say my favorite color is purple. Yeah, I love it. Mm. I like purple too. Uh, what is the most recent book you've read? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I am reading Radical Acceptance. And it's really, I mean, reading is like stretching it a little bit because it's more like I've been listening to it because I've been traveling a lot. And as you know, all the different mm-hmm. things going on in my life right now. So I was like, I need to read Radical Acceptance <laughs> right about now, you know, to step into more accepting. Yeah. What's the best takeaway you've gotten so far from the book? You know, a lot of times, especially in business, for me, it's always meeting people where they are at. And I think from the takeaway from the book, it's like meeting myself where I'm at. Right? Yes, not trying to I force like myself, not to, like, you're sad, you're sad, cry. You know, allow yourself to be the whole gamut of humanity. Even as like a spiritual teacher or an intuitive or anyone holding space for anyone else, it's important for us to meet ourselves. So if there's no denial, then there's no spiritual bypassing, you know. So that was really important for me to meet myself where I'm at. I love acceptance. It's something that that concept, the idea, the living it, being it is something that I've really I've acquired in the past few years. And and my vision board, one of them, I have a quote from Dolores Huerta, and it says, How can you forgive others if you haven't forgiven yourself? Mm-hmm. And that to me is when I understood what acceptance is. Yes. Yes. Like forgiveness is acceptance. It's unconditional yes. love, like unconditional, like no conditions at all. No, no conditions for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, it's also like reparenting yourself as wonderful or not that your parents may have been. A lot of times people get stuck because we're waiting and waiting for a parent. Like we're healing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think this happens to everybody because I woke up a long time ago, meaning like, I started on this this healing journey in my teens, which is 30 years ago, right? And so expect, the expectance that your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your, par- your business partner, your boss, your parents are all going to like get it. Well, may they may not. And are you going to be okay with that? So we have to love ourselves unconditionally and not expect it from others. And if we get it from others, that's, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what we're seeking, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time that we don't, our healing does not rely upon someone else's validation. It relies upon our own acceptance. So, yeah, there's so much like, we're so afraid of being judged in other people's opinions. And that's all about acceptance as well. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. know, this is something that came to mind just now. So I used to belly dance. I've stopped now for eight years. But when I did, I went like 
I used to live in New York City. I went like six times a week. Like I danced 10 hours a week. I performed. I had a full-time job at the time in a part-time oh business. I know was, I'm very, I have a lot of energy. And uh, <laughs> one of the things that I could tell when people walked in the room is they got really scared. Like people were going to judge them or look at them. And I remember I used to go there and like welcome the new people. I'd be like, girl, ain't nobody looking at you. Everybody's busy worrying about themselves. Right. And then they would laugh and be like, oh my God. And I'm like, and I say that to entrepreneurs too online. Like somebody might be like, eh, that campaign's not that great, but who cares? Then they're worried about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like people are looking at their own selves in the mirror in belly dance class, figuring out how to do the moves and how to be present. I think that really happens in every area of life. Mm. It's like we worry about they're looking at us. It's like child are worried about themselves. Okay, muchacha, you know, <laughs> they really are. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. Like I really... That's something that is really difficult for me to try to explain or get across to my daughters. I have a middle schooler and then one that's almost nine. It's hard, but then I think like, okay, maybe I need to be patient. Maybe they'll get there one day. I don't know. Yes, patience. (laughs) They will. They will. I have two stepdaughters and uh, 21 and 16. And like the 21 year olds finally like was like, oh, yeah like yes you know and I'm like trust me everybody's insecure everybody's worried about themselves everybody's trying to figure it out and you know then we get the media showing us what we should look like or what we should be like but in truth the people I think who really really succeed I mean there's always the cookie cutters who succeed the people who succeed in a way that we look up to they're usually unique they've broken boundaries they've broken the mold and so we're all kind of trying to fit in to be safe. And there's a reason for that, right? Because if we belong to the tribe, I mean, I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that if we belong to a tribe and we're accepted, we won't get killed. And then it's also called the tall poppy syndrome, where if we grow too tall, we might get our heads chopped off, right? So there's this innate fear of sticking out, yet sticking out what's needed in terms of business, in terms of finding our partner. Like we're going to have to stick out in some own, our own unique way. It's uniqueness. Yeah. What they say in business school, the competitive advantage. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Totally. I like how when I ask a question about something, like we go like (laughs) somewhere else. (laughs) I like We do. (laughs) Okay. Um I don't even know where I was. Oh. (laughs) What's the last song you listened to? The last song I listened to. Oh, I think it was Oh, so it's a Kurdish song. So my partner and I are getting married this June and he's Kurdish Turkish. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, since I'm very big on ancestors and ancestral healing work, I also honor them. And so I, I surprised him and I said, mm-hmm. Shemame is the name of the song, Shemame. And it's really about, he told me a, a, a squash, or like a pumpkin that is so beautiful and ripe and so great, but they're all singing shame on me, shame on me, right? And I, I showed him and I said, I'm gonna send this to everybody who's coming to our wedding. They're gonna practice a simple dance and I wanna call everybody to the dance floor to honor your, where you come from. And he got really like, yeah, he got, he got emotional. He, got, he was like, really? I'm like, yes, you know? Hmm. So that's the song I listened to today as I was sharing it with somebody else going, listen to the song. <laughs> yeah I could totally feel the emotion in that that's that's deep that's so great of you that's the uniqueness factor you know that we were talking about 
So if you could meet one person dead or alive, who would that be? Mm. Oh my God, so many, so many, so many. I have to say Clarissa Pincola Estes from, you know, She Who Runs With The Wolves. Clarissa Pincola Estes is a psychoanalyst and talks about the wild woman archetype. And her book came out almost, I think, 30 years ago. Mm. And it's this thick, like it's like four inches thick. My girlfriend gave it to me then, like when it came out, it was a hardcover. Within four days, she came over and I'm like, it's done. And she got mad at me because it's such a, it was like four or five inches. She's like, what is it now? Paperweight. I'm like, you don't understand. I couldn't sleep. I stayed up. It was just like, I was, you know, just in college. It was life-changing. It brought me on to the path of tapping into, you know, that freedom, that like different archetypes. And she uses, do you know about Clarissa Piccola Estes? No, I do not. Uh, yeah, women who run with the wolves. And um, I, don't know if she, I don't know if she's Mexican-American. I don't remember. I'm so sorry if I'm wrong. But she is psychoanalyst and a cantadora. Mm-hmm. And she writes and she shares archetypes of the wild woman through different fairy tales. And she even talks about La Llorona and mm-hmm. the story behind that. And it's just so relatable about how so many women are suffering in their lives or have accepted these patterns of existence, limiting themselves and how the tapping into that archetype could set you free. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The I women can- who run with the wolves, you got to look it up. I know I can see myself reading a four inch book in a few days and staying yeah. up like 48 hours I haven't slept oh my god but it's so good I know the magia magia <laughs> uh one last question tell us something that only a handful of people know about you and that you're willing to share um one of the things I always wanted to do was be a singer my grandfather was an opera singer turned tango singer had a couple oh. of records out and but he used a name, you know, Carlos Gardel was out who sang tango and he was Carlos Roman. It's like, grandpa, use another name. Um, it's like sometimes <laughs> you can't have two Carlos. My dad sang a bit, but at one point I got a five record deal offer. It was for club music in New York. But the record oh. deal was, yeah, but the record deal, like the actual deal would have like tied me up in such terrible ways for, for five or six years that I passed it up. But I made the right decision um, when I went to um, an entertainment lawyer, he's like, Vanessa, you'll be tap dancing for your food. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, if they don't recoup on this deal, you're going to have to like pay them back by performing for free. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. My gosh. <laughs> yeah, those are the kind of deals that a lot of people, you know, got offered to them. So I did get it offered, yay. And, um, and yay, I also turned it down. <laughs> Good for you. And thank you for sharing that because that's a very, very important lesson is that not all opportunities are good opportunities for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about cultural identity. How do you self-identify? I self-identify as a Latinx bruja, (laughs) starting first of all. And then I would say a woman, uh, a spiritual being, South American, a New Yorker, although I live in Pennsylvania now, um, <laughs> but I only live in Pennsylvania for two years. Um, so, you know, you can take the woman out of New York, but you can't take the New York out of the woman. And um, I, I mean, I'm going to get a little woo out there, but really like an embodied soul that's here to 
live her calling. Mm. You know, so it's, it, it runs the gamut, you know. Mm-hmm. I like it when people identify themselves as that, that deep, because I think that we all can be, we all are, but maybe we don't identify that in ourselves yet. Yeah. And I realized I didn't throw entrepreneur there, but to me, like a Latinx Bruja, it like encompasses that. Because when you're really weaving your magic at some point in time, whatever you do, you might bring in abundance from that, whatever it may be whatever kind of business, if you're making cupcakes, I heard that in one of your podcast episodes, right? (laughs) If you're making a delicious podcast, and if I saw you in person, I'd be bringing in Oh, thanks. (laughs) So, um, yeah, whatever it is that you're doing at some point in time, I know that people have said to my mom, oh my God, we've got to take your empanadas to the next level. Um, She didn't, but um, I feel like when you are weaving your magic, when you're in touch with your like sacred medicine that comes from your bones, from your soul, from your heritage, from your ancestry, from the choices that you make, from, you know, the visibility and the space that you're willing to take up, that entrepreneurship could be right there. I don't think everybody's an entrepreneur, but I think that, you know, given the opportunity, uh, many of us might be more open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation with my mom about that. Actually, in one of my, in my last episode of what does it feel like and what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? So, yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, what does cultural identity mean to you? Hmm. A cultural identity to me means like a pattern of living, breathing, thinking, feeling, and being that is created from your environment, from your culture, from what you're exposed to. Like for example, I was raised Catholic. I'm South American from Argentina and from New York. But meaning that I'm from New York, that means I'm, I've been exposed to Cuban culture. I've been exposed to Puerto Rican culture. I've been exposed to Mexican culture. I'm not just one thing. So, and then I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, though I'm not Jewish. I went to temple. So even that is par- part of my cultural Mm-hmm. kind of like identity and then the spirit spiritismo and the different paths of spirituality and then my father being an entrepreneur so but it's something that you're marinated in it's like you come out and you're marinated in this well actually you're already it's already marinated in those nine months that you're in your mom actually it's over nine months right and that whole time that you're gestating inside your mom you're already marinating in your cultural identity the music your parents are listening to the kind, the, the name that they're going to give you, like all of it is part of your existence of, of that identity that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to me. Yeah. Yeah. The two words that I uh, took from you are patterns and experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Definitely. To me, cultural identity really is about experience and it's always changing, but I like how you use the analogy of marinating because even though it's changing what happened in the past is still part of you I like that yeah so you are the biz bruja so what are your products or services what do you sell where do you sell when did you officially become the biz bruja I love that question (laughs) <laughs> and I have to say, so I have to say, I'm going to start way back a little bit. 
Um, I remember being six years old and my paternal grandmother held my hand and she was doing a mediumship session and she was like rolling her head a little bit. She was like, oh, and I remember thinking, whatever she's doing, I'm not going to do it like that. And I didn't quite know. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it like tranquila, like calm, you know? And so Espiritismo, connecting with spirits. I know that not every Latinx, you know, person is um, involved with that. Some people are very, very religious to one side or another. But for me, communing with spirits was just normal. We had a practical life. My dad is an entrepreneur. Um, we came here from Argentina. Um, but to me, like waking up and hearing my mother say, oh, I had a dream that da, 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 about this and this. And then a couple of days, something would happen. We'd be like, oh, that's the dream. So it was just like there. I'm like fourth generation psychic medium. And so over time, and things like um, me waking up and saying, mom, I don't like the guy with the brown shirt and the brown car or the green car. She'd look at me, what are you talking about? I was six. So we went out to the street within the hour. I'm walking down the street and suddenly a man's screaming at us from a car. Of course, the car is green. He comes out and he has the brown shirt. And, and so these type of things were over and over again proving themselves to me. I didn't want to be the bizbuha, trust me. I really didn't because I wanted to be respected. I was scared that people would question my intelligence because I'm also an astrologer. I'm a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. um, but I became that later. And I was fired at one point from an, an entertainment company in New York City because during my lunch hour, I was doing a natal chart for someone. So this is something I grew up with my father having his business, me reading him when I'm 16 years old, telling him about his business, right? But then I was running from it. Like now a lot of people are running to it. People are running to being, you know, woo-woo and reading people or doing hypnosis and healing, which is great. I think we're at that point in our civilization where we need to heal and, and move forward. But for me, it was always there. And over time, like I was doing women's circles for free for 15 years in my apartment. Mm -hmm. I've been, I studied shamanism with sweat lodging for 20 years. This is something that was happening. I was initiated as a priestess at 22. So I, and I read people for 20 years with a tarot card. So this was ha something happening, happening. And when I first came out of my business, I came out as the urban priestess mm. and it didn't fit anymore. It got to a point. So as the urban priestess, I held gatherings um, I did women's healing circles. I did hypnosis to help people break through their patterns, past life, present. I did readings to get to the core. And then what happened was in 2012, I got laid off the day before a major surgery. I, no. I know I had a major breakup. And so within three and a half months, Giselle, I got laid off before major surgery, living on my own in New York city. That means translation, high rent, major breakup with a soulmate. Um, I was in a car accident where I was guided exactly like what to do, like sit up straight so you don't break your back. My guide spoke to me the whole time. Get your parents oh put on their seatbelt. My mom didn't have it. So I thought I was dying. And that was December 21st, winter solstice and the end of the Mayan calendar. Oh my God. 20, I know, 2012. It was like, can it be more dramatic? And when I, and I kept thinking, I'm dying. Okay, I didn't go full time. I didn't write my book. Oh my God, I didn't do this. I kept thinking. And so when I crawled out of that car that went around, like literally tumbled three times, when I helped my parents get out of their seatbelt, they were hanging from the ceiling. My inner voice is like, you've got to go full time. So after 2012, with no real resources, but my inner self, because I was laid off now and layoff money in New York City, even if you get the highest amount, does not pay for your rent after taxes or before taxes. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. And I literally stepped out and kind of said to someone, well, I've got to go full time. And I kept hearing, you know, step out on faith, girl, step out on faith. La fe, la fe. Like, and 
I created a nine month program called Urban Priestess Mastery. It was $9,000, 20 teachers, three retreats. I know, talk about biting off more than I could chew. I sold it, but I literally had to, I asked a web guy that I knew, please make my website. I'll pay you when I get paid. And I know I had Google sites too, by the way. And I did that first, like way back, but this mm-hmm. was like a big sales page. Yeah. And so I wanted somebody to do it. I asked somebody else, can we exchange and can we barter? Can you do my beautiful banner? And mm-hmm. she did the one for Gabby Bernstein. So I was like, can you do mine? And I knew her and I'll give you services. She did it. And so essentially I kind of like negotiated, navigated, networked. I was like, okay, I got to do this because I got to survive. So my business was not one where when I went full time, I was able to do it all softly or save money. It was something I did like 16 years already, part-time, part-time. And then everything was taken from me, like the love, the health. It was like, and it was like, okay, mama, it's showtime. And that year I hit, and that year I hit six figures and you know, six figures in New York after taxes and after isn't much, but Hey, I know people five years in business who never hit six figures. So I'm going to brag. That's great. That's amazing. And I don't It was crazy. And then in the last six years, I've been online with intuition bootcamp programs, um, business programs, helping people build their business. And this year, like a couple of months ago, I kept hearing the business bruja, the biz bruja, biz bruja, or the biz bruja. And I'm like, no guides, no, no, it feels too scary. No, no, I don't want to come out as a bruja. It's like, but you are. And I'm like, I know, but people, and I have, and I have a lot of, right, by the way, Spanish speaking <laughs> followers. I have like 44,000 on Facebook that I got in a year and a half of just videos alone before the algorithms hit. And I was like, pero mi gente, they're going to get scared because I do sessions in English and Spanish. And then, I don't know, something happened to me, like September, October, and I just started creating a new website. I got a new logo. I got the trade, I'm, you know, I'm in the process of the trademark. And I just owned it. And then I created the podcast. And the minute I did- Like Giselle, this year, 2019? This year. Like so a few been, months ago? Oh yeah, I've been, gosh. but I've been the urban priestess. I've been the urban priestess online seven mm. years. I've been la sacerdotisa urbana, right? And I was like, that's it. And so I closed one website. I still have a couple. I got the thing. I did it. I stayed up till nine in the morning, boom, 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 putting everything on. And this is a challenge. And maybe anybody who's listening, I hid part of myself. Even though my first year full-time online, and I was the urban priestess, I didn't have everything that I did online. I was scared because I also do teen empowerment training. And I was afraid that somebody would read, oh, she does Akashic Record readings and certification. She does past life, business, and she does teen work. What is she, crazy? She's out there. What is happening? And so I was kind of worried. And so I didn't have one website with everything. I was launching my programs with a sales page that only had the program on it with all the information, like Awaken Soul Biz was one of my programs, Intuitive Leverage, right? Um, Vida Alineada was a Spanish program, Immersión de Intuición. Like I would just do, and now I've decided to just be myself fully and I have a website, the Biz Bruja, that's still what I'm working on that has everything Finally. And as you said, you asked me, what do I do? So I do Akashic record readings. I do intuition training, business guidance from the soul's perspective and healing perspective, and then a practical perspective. And you could find it there, as I was saying, but it was recent that it was like the culmination of my life, right? It was the culmination of all the work. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm just thinking, I'm like, 
you transitioned and you rebranded, but then also it was like a rebirth too. And I needed it because I didn't feel, I didn't feel happy with Urban Priestess. I wasn't using it anymore. I was just like Vanessa Godernio. And I was like, I want to talk about, I was like, why do I always have to, I do a lot of videos in Spanish and I do videos in English, separating them. With my podcast, people who knew me for years were like, oh my God, you were literally like saying one sentence in Spanish, one sentence in English. You were like funny, you were irreverent, like usually kind of serious, you know, you're very like deep. And I'm like, yeah, but it's all of me. And so rebranding and coming out was how do I embrace all of myself so I can also help my clients embrace all of themselves, right? We can only take people as far as we've been, right? So yes. So can you share about your podcast? Because I want to say that I did, well, okay, so I noticed that there was only a few episodes. I'm like, so now it makes sense why (laughs) you started like a couple months ago. And um, I did listen to some, I listened to some like at, I don't know, it was like 12 or one o'clock in the morning one night when I couldn't fall asleep. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to listen to Vanessa. And I did. And I seriously was like nodding my head like the whole time, just thank you, nodding and nodding and nodding just and just like, okay, I found this on the web. Okay, so I didn't say hey Siri, sorry. <laughs> no worries. But <laughs> thank you, thank you. But yeah, when I when when I listened, I was just nodding and nodding and nodding, and I just felt really connected and 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 supported in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Thank you. And you know, other people have said that to me. And I think, you know, we bring whoever we are and I'm a healer. I mean, I'm usually in sessions, like five sessions a day, mm. you know, guiding people. Like this is my sacred work, 20 years of women's circles. And I think it's translating. And I have about five other episodes, but as you know, my father recently passed away. My mom is also very ill. And so mm. what happened is, I'm still working, but I also had to delay some things a little bit from coming out. But thank you for that. That inspires me to keep going. I'm excited to share more. So your podcast is The Biz Bruja. Podcast, yeah. The Biz Bruja Podcast. And now I'd like to take a little break. Do you need more accountability? Join me in my new accountability group for 12 weeks to focus on one project or goal. We will meet via video chat once a week to check in with each other's progress, to ask for advice, to support each other, and to be each other's cheerleaders. Go to the link on my Instagram at Giselle's World and register now. You can also register on Facebook. It's only $44. Once you enroll, you'll receive an email with a digital workbook to guide you throughout your 12-week project. We will meet every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific from Monday, January 13th, 2020 to Monday, March 30th, 2020. Who's ready to accomplish that project that you've been wanting to do for a while? So, um... Have you, okay, now that you've transitioned and you've rebranded into the Biz Bruja, have you identified anything in the work that you've been doing, like a a gap or a problem that you're saying, you know what, I want to focus a little bit more energy or attention to this? You mean in my audience or in my clientele? Yes. Well, I think that I'm finally sharing what I'm doing. What I was doing is, um, 
you know, I talked to many coaches or intuitives, healers of all diverse nationalities and cultures and races. And a lot of their clients are white, right? Mine have never just been white. Mine have from day one, I've sat in a circle with people who are Muslim and covered to people who are Jewish and like, oh, is it okay to be here and do this to people who are Catholic or pagan or atheist. And from like, I don't know, 10 countries in Latin America, right? And so for me, the thing that I've noticed is that sometimes when someone who is a less represented group, right, whether it's a Latinx or people of color or um, somebody from black culture or Indian culture or mixed, because we are often underrepresented, what happens is that this idea of creating your own business can feel even more daunting. Like, mm. right. Because I feel that a lot of white people that I've come in contact with um, have a lot of privilege. Like I'm also an immigrant. I was one year old when I came to the country. Spanish is my first language. My parents were immigrants. So it's like all that too. I feel that we don't, we're not as confident, you know? Mm. I mean, some are, some are like, girl, you know, but they're 20 years old and they've already basked in the energy of us older folk mm. who've already stepped ahead and been like, muchacha, you can do it. But what I've noticed is that issue is, and a lot of it links to being oppressed, coming from oppressed backgrounds, even though we don't want to admit it sometimes, being like, don't know, mi familia está bien. But guess what? It's somewhere along the line, some group, somewhere, even if let's say you were privileged in your country, you came here and somebody's like, ah, and called you some derogatory name and limited you and minimized you. Mm -hmm. So I can say even for myself, acknowledging that I have some white privilege too, that for me, it was daunting, right? Also, took look how long it took. Like, I was already doing my thing for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Like, tw almost 20 years doing this on the down low before I came out, 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 you know? And so I think that that's the gap is the, and maybe not the 20-year-olds, maybe the 20-year-olds are feeling more empowered because of all the material and all the websites, all the Instagram. But I think the 30-year-olds, maybe the 40-year-olds were still like, oh, okay, I need to do some healing and acknowledge because I can share, right? Because I can share. So I've been on video interviews and talks with people, Latinx women. And I've been like, aren't we incredible? I say, we are a mix of all the races for the most part, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like I did my DNA girl. I, I was mm -hmm. so, so I already knew I was mixed. Oh my God. Like it literally popped up like 25 different places mm -hmm. with all of the three or four races and um, except Australia. And so um, I've noticed tension when I bring that up in some groups, like the mm -hmm. face is like, you know, and I, you can't see me cause you're all listening to me, but it's like this guy I like, really? And I'm like, yes, really. We're so powerful. We have all of the races mm -hmm. and probably have survived all of the different just changes in religious perspectives also throughout history. And so for me, it's like, we have these powerful gifts, but we've been taught to self hate and to not feel good enough and yes. not to be able to compete. And you know, not all of us are a size zero. Yes. And yes, yeah, some Latinx women are blonde and blue eyed and beautiful. And, but many of us aren't. And so how do yes. we love our skin, our body size, censorship, the shape of our nose, right? Come and back. so that's why the bizbruja's on there because I'm like, and that's why you're here and I'm getting all tingles all over me. And that's the gap is like even the shame or being mm. different. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know? The shame, 
the we censor ourselves because we're taught to censor ourselves and that comes with fear of failure lack of confidence I mean like yeah. <laughs> it's really really hard for me to step out and say this is how much I charge <laughs> and there are some days where I'm like okay if this person doesn't see my value, then I don't want to work with them. Because I, yes. I did that when I left my job at the, in the, the summer. I said, they don't see my value. I see my value. So bye. Yes. <laughs> but now I, I walk into new places and I'm actually being offered independent contracts. And I do have clients and I'm doing lots of things. And now I'm just like, oh my God what do I do? What do I do? And I just like, you know what? The first thing that pops into my head, that's what I'm going to do. So the first thing that I feel, that's what I'm going to do. And I keep, I keep doing that when I start getting like, oh my God, oh my God, this is happening. What am I going to do? Oh my God, what if I really can't do it? And then I'm like, okay, little failure voice, just <laughs> stop right now. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that's, I'm so happy that that's this. something that I've practiced doing. It's not something that just like comes up, you know, like, like, yeah. Usually for a long time, the the failure voice was a big failure voice that was telling me that I actually believed, you know? Yes. I'm so glad that you're not. And and you just shared a way that people can break through. It's like step at a time, awareness, step at a time and telling a little fail, like acknowledging the failure voice. Hey, you have a cup of chocolate there, sit down, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, <clears throat> I see you, but you're not going to take over right now. Just sit right there. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll tell you, like for me, I've lived, I mean, I've been given opportunity because they needed a minority. I mean, literally they've told me that throughout oh the years God. I've been part of big conferences and I'm grateful because the opportunity, but then I'm also sad that I'm grateful. Right. Uh, right. Because it's like, I should, we should live in a world where we don't even need to fit a quota. Right. That's what I think that we should live in that world. And I think we will eventually be living in that world. Um, or even, Oh, you're Hispanic, but you're not Hispanic enough. Like I've heard that before mm-hmm. too. Um, and I'm like, girl, we are coming such a huge range mm-hmm. that, you know, but we're educating people. I think by all of us stepping up in our businesses and people like you creating podcasts like this, me creating, we're also exposing people to the different faces and flavors and histories and ancestry and magic and uniqueness. Um, but I'll tell you one other thing that I see a gap. It's coming up now and I do have to share it because I think you work in this arena too. Um, I think you do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is marketing. One of the things that I've always seen, you know, I've been on stages um, with Gabby Bernstein and Latham Thomas and Marianne Williamson and a lot of these people, Mm -hmm. like I've been on stages with them, right? But the thing that I notice is they're savvy for marketing themselves, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember years ago, I would meet somebody and they had just started, you know, they were white and they would be an American white here for a long time, their family. And they had just started some training and suddenly they were naming themselves some big name. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a little mad, like girl, like I've apprenticed for this amount of time, like, you know, a little mad because there was a sense of entitlement, a sense of, well, why not? I'm the queen of whatever. I'm the, the, you know, and we're missing that because we've been oppressed because we've had less privilege um, over the years, no matter what, even if our family was middle class or whatever, or maybe even wealthy, 
we've encountered these challenges that now it's like, that's why I did my first, the first podcast was on redefining Bruja and reclaiming ourselves and redefining what things are because we have to name ourselves. Mm -hmm. We cannot wait for freaking permission from patriarchal culture. We can't wait for permission from the current media. We have to name ourselves. Yes. That's why I asked the question, how do you self-identify? Because mm -hmm. I don't want to say, oh, my guest today is Vanessa, a Latinx bruja. <laughs> yes. I don't. Yes, thank you. That's why I ask. I, I, I feel very, very passionate about self-identity and positive self-identity. I did my, my master's thesis on positive self-identity. Mm. That's what I did. And I studied the education system. And I kept on seeing all these things like, oh, Latinas, Latinas are the ones that are graduating the least. And everything was negative about Latinas and Latinos and Latina women and Black women and Latina women. Everything was negative, 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 negative. And then I saw this one uh, published uh, research article said the other side, like, uh, something about black girls and academic success. And I was like, oh my God, what about Latinas and academic success? Like I, then I kept, then I kept researching that and researching, I'm like, there's nothing, nothing talks about positive cultural identity and academic success. And so that's what I did. I conducted a focus group with community college Amazing. women. I, asked all these questions i asked them a questionnaire how to self-identify they all shared their own stories and very very similar <laughs> microaggression and straight up blunt in your face uh discrimination in high school and community college level of trying to keep them down and not helping them advance in their higher education career <laughs> And these are all women with, with kids, without kids, in, in spaces where they're the only Latina or not. Or a professor literally telling them, oh, no, it's okay. You don't have to redo that quiz because, you know, you're not going to pass anyway. <laughs> so, like, when you, say, when you say that we come from... Oppression, you know, we come from oppressive communities, yeah. right? And we internalize how yeah. other people label us, how other people say us, and mostly the white privileged people label everyone around them. Right. That's how our society was created, and that's the reality. And so we internalize the labels of the white privileged people, mm -hmm. and. The society that we have today is a testament to that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, I grew up with that too, in that like, hey, mom, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Like I heard, overheard this and I was like 10. Yeah, she, yes, she's Spanish. She's, she's, she's Spanish. She's Hispanic, but she's not a speak mom. Um, she speaks English really well, mom. Oh, you speak, you speak English very well, Vanessa. <laughs> or 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 me saying kind of a little upset right or saying something like actually spanish is my first language oh i could hear the accent yes you definitely have it mm -hmm. so it's like <laughs> mm, ugh, really 
but why is a French accent cuter? You mm-hmm. know, if we did have an, if we do have an accent or why is a British accent so honored? Uh, we know the answer to that. An Australian accent, everybody's, I, I used to work at an office where everybody had an Australian accent, got a bigger bonus at the end of the year. It was so funny oh, that we were all like, we would joke around and practice like towards the end of the year. We would like practice with each other and make each other laugh. Like, oh, I'm going to get one this year because I'm going to use the accent. Of course we didn't. Um, but yeah, it's very, <laughs> and I'll tell you, that's why I love the online space. And for me, my work has not just been online because the Facebook, Facebook, the Facebook era is kind of over. When I first came on online and I would just post for, let's see, to grow my mailing list, I would get like hundreds of people that day with no Facebook ad, right? When I used to sell my intuitive, so intuitive leverage is an eight week intuition bootcamp. I've taught it 12 times online. The first time I did it, my first webinar, and I only wanted 20 people, right? At let's say $600 each. I got half of them. I got half of them that day while I was doing my first webinar ever. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sorry about that. And then I got the, um, then I got like the rest of them within the next few days. And so that's how my business built very quickly in the beginning because social media was not messing with the algorithms to that point. Mm. So what I would say to anyone right now, like you need to really, really build up your mailing list because even if you have, I don't know, 495,000 followers on Instagram, if that thing shuts down for whatever reason, something happens, Mm -hmm. it crashes, there goes that, you know? (laughs) And so that's why I've developed an English mailing list and a Spanish mailing list Mm. because it's really important. And I also believe in doing in-person events. Um, Sometimes mm-hmm. people would come on the call with me and say to me, Vanessa, well, I want to be a speaker. Now in New York City, I don't know where it is where you are. In New York City, about five years ago, they started having pay to play. So even in a small little conference, you'd have to pay to speak at a conference. Wow. Right, right, right. It's called sponsorship. So they don't pay you, you pay them. But that was very prevalent in New York City. It's now spread to some parts of LA. It's spread to parts of, of Miami, like big cities. And in order for you to actually get paid to speak at a big event, right, you actually have to have a book or be well-known or be Hillary Clinton or be um, Jennifer Lopez or some, or JLo or something like that. Um, But people who are even making a ton of money online, I'm sure Marie Forleo gets paid, but I'm talking about other people. They tell me why I paid $40,000 to speak at this event. But then at the event, they make a hundred thousand. It's called pay to play. That's a technique Mm. in business. Right. But for me, when people say I'm going to make a lot of money through speaking, we've gone through such a change in the last 10 years online. I used to get paid for writing. So Mm -hmm. the first time I ever, I think 14 years ago, I targeted a magazine. I studied their voice. I sent in an article. And it was like for a Latino college magazine that doesn't exist anymore. And boom, they sent me 150 bucks for an article. And then I just kept writing for years, like my first time ever trying. Now we're expected to do podcasts for free. Okay, we love it. Maybe we'll get a sponsorship at some point. We're expected to write blog posts and to write. We're expected to do free content through videos and offers. And so in a way, it's, it's kind of setting us up to fail. So it's really Mm. important to also, because now I've been in business online supporting myself completely almost eight years. So I support myself, my business. I have a part-time, part-time assistant, a part-time intern and part-time web team, which right. Thank you. But, and I had it from get go. I mean, I negotiated. Thank you. Thank you. 
But I'm just saying that for someone who's actually supported themselves full time now, seven, eight years, which means I also pay for my own vacations. I pay for my own mani-pedi. Like I pay for my facials. This is what I do. Um, mm. And I think it's important to say that because sometimes people don't know that that's possible. Mm-hmm. They think, well, they're going to get their little money to pay their, their assistant, which is great, or to put back into their business. But I can share with you that you can't just rely online. And so once in a while I call some place that I don't know, I tell them about myself, send them my link to my website and I show up and the place is sold out, even if it's just 20 people, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And suddenly now I've met people face to face. They've experienced my past life aggression. They've experienced me. And now I've got new clients who've, who've had that experience of me, mm-hmm. what I can do. And that changes everything because now they're going to refer. And so having an online business where you're a coach or a strategist or an expert, you're getting now one-on-ones, right? And you're also mm-hmm. getting consultant, mm-hmm. but also doing things in person for other people gives you more avenues for, for, for mm-hmm. income. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's a lot of things all at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's really, really, really great advice. And you talked about, and you talked about, um, you talked about how a few years ago you started selling your online courses. What did you use? Can you talk a little bit about the technological tools that you used when you started and if anything changed now, what you use now? So there's a little clock singing a song. You might hear it, you may not. So let it just <laughs> yeah, be the musical hear. background. Um, and so when I first, first started, what we did is we set it up through MailChimp. And mm-hmm. so my assistant set it up in a way where they were all like, almost like a drip, I guess you would call now, where it would come out, it would be scheduled. Mm-hmm. So the first module would come out on Monday, it would come out on Tuesday. Uh, actually, even before that, it was a Dropbox. So mm-hmm. I would put in, like I had a four-week program that was the first one ever in 2013, a four-week intuition bootcamp uh, program. I recorded everything and I did it on a PowerPoint. So I had the images. And I'm actually recording the audio into the images. And I had the, and I had that, I created a PDF separately. I stuck it into a folder in a Dropbox. And that was the most archaic at that time, right? Mm -hmm. Then I went on to MailChimp where there was actually a link to receiving the MP3 that was already online, Mm -hmm. right? You can also do an attachment in the, in the mailbox. Mm -hmm. And now, and then what I did, which I love, I mean, there's teachable now. There's so many different Mm -hmm. things that you could do yourself. My assistant, my support people actually set up a resource page with a password. So I don't do it. I just give them all of the, you know, deliverables and they do that. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I do love though is lead pages. Uh, I can say, I mean, maybe that's even outdated now. I know people are doing Kajabi, they're doing Kartra, they're doing a lot of different things. I really love lead pages because I can throw a lead page together. And a lead page is essentially, it could, you could use it to do an opt-in or free opt-in. You could do it to bring somebody into a summit, into a conference, into a talk, into a mini class, a master class. And um, I can do it in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. at this point. So I don't even need to have somebody else do it. I can be on a plane ride and be like typing it out, putting in mm-hmm. the picture, creating the graphic real quick if I really. So if you get a really great idea where you're like, oh my God, I want to do this. And it's like in two weeks and you're on a plane, like it happens to me. <laughs> I'm also improvisational. Um, I plan things out, but I also get really excited and say, well, I'm just going to do it. And um, then I do it like that and it helps. And then it's up there. It's connected to MailChimp. And then boom, you release it, you send it out into social media, into your mailing list, share it, 
people sign up, the product gets delivered, the opt-in gets delivered, and you've grown the mailing list. Lean people. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, because you could do it on your own. You could do it on your own website. Um, But there's something to me. I mean, maybe you could do it on your own website. You could. But it's so quick, and there's so many different designs. And it's just that. It's a standing like page where it's just that, nothing else. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to having a whole website and then creating a whole new page for your website. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So out of everything that you've done and you're still doing, if you had no constraints, would you start another business? And what would it be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of doing it anyway, but I'm not doing it separately. So you know that I also work with teens. So I do teen empowerment now eight years. I'm hired by the New York City, by um, the Bella Abzag Young Women's Leadership Institute. So I go in every year, several times. I just went last month and I do different empowerment trainings. Well, since I moved to Pennsylvania out of New York, I was going crazy because I'm like, oh my God, it's so boring here compared to New York City. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, my friends are there. Everything's there. My spiritual community of 20 years. So I joined improv, Harrisburg Improv Theater. And I studied diligently like three hours a week in class. And then I auditioned for a team. I'm I'm on four now. And so I perform every, every weekend, come rain or shine. I mean, Mm. unless I'm really ill. And so it really, you just get on stage, you get a suggestion, you do your thing. I would love to help support people to loosen up in their business, to get more improvisational Mm -hmm. by showing up and doing collaboration. And, and, you know, if you do some, if anybody's interested in listening, uh, a lot of the major MBA programs and business, um, programs and universities are now bringing in improv teams and even science teams because to help people relate because Mm -hmm. if you're talking over people's heads in terms of being a medical team or business and if you don't know how to collaborate because you're afraid because there's so much competition Mm -hmm. um, you need improv because it'll allow you to play again and to allow yourself to explore different ideas without feeling like I'm going to look stupid in front of people it's going to be silly and so I would just create like a whole separate business even with a different name and go into Latinx businesses or diverse businesses and help people loosen up. I mean, I probably will do it and maybe not in a different name. Maybe I'll be the biz bruja going in like that too. Um, because I've already been hired to do it with teens. So we'll see what happens as I move into the business area. Oh my gosh. That sounds so playing. amazing. It's playing. Yeah. It, it kind of speaks to improv speaks to the concept of acceptance that we were talking about earlier it's like yes. just really really accepting the moment right now <laughs> yes yes because you know you've got to allow yourself to be new like I've been doing what I do for I mean again I started reading people at 16 22 then in my 20s I got the hypnosis certifications and I keep getting certifications I have a holistic health couch now I'm an astrologer I mean I am a study like avid student mm-hmm. But the thing is, then we get into expertise area and we're used to being in that space where we have to be holding space for people or being the expert or being the one that everybody leans on. Mm-hmm. When you're an improv, you get to share. You never have to do anything yourself. It's collaborative. And if you do push the agenda and try to create everything for people, that's not improv. It's you directing it. So it really teaches us collaboration, listening, and I think it's powerful. Listening and collaboration are really, really, really important. Yeah. I, it's something that I, I have a very emotionally intelligent son. He's six years old. 
and he started going to this group in in elementary school once a week I'm like what did you do in group today he's like we talked about our feelings I'm like what <laughs> okay what were your feelings well at the beginning of the group my feelings were hungry tired and bored I'm like okay <laughs> then what about after he was like um well after I was excited and confused <laughs> okay Aww. I was like at least he's I like that at least that there's space for him to be able to ask himself, like, hey, where am I right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the part that I love. It's like, yes. who am I feeling right now? Like, self-check-ins, like. Yes. 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 That's beautiful. I love that you have that relationship with him. Yeah. So, anyway, that just reminded me of that. But, um. I probably could continue speaking with you for like the next few hours. <laughs> I really love everything <laughs> that you're doing and working on. And I really, really wish you all the best in the world. Um, and I'm going to continue listening to your podcast because I love it. Thank you. You know, I've been listening to yours. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so where can people find you? You're at the biz Bruja on Instagram. Right. And then the bizbruja.com. Right. And, um, if you're interested in the eight-week intuition boot camp, it would be intuitiveleverage.com. I have to move that to the bizbruja, but really the bizbruja.com and Facebook, Vanessa Cadorniu, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's well, really it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and I wish you well and everything that's going on in your life right now. Thank you. Thank you so much, love. Thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate. Find me on Instagram at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com and please, please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.